Welcome to the breakdown on Latte Firm. It's been a long time, but I've got a feeling this is going to be very sweet because last night, 1-0 to the Arsenal, we won away at Wolves and what a night it was. And I'm joined by two gargantuan guests. First, uh, Pedro from La Grove, who needs no introduction. I'm sure you're all familiar with him. Pedro, how are you? You well? I'm great. Thanks for having me on when we've got something to celebrate, not defend. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you on, my friend. And firm debutante, Scott Willis, who is the founder of Crab Stats, but he's also personally found on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crab. And I must say, before we say hello to you, Scott, Scott is the guy who provides me all the data, all the charts, all the heat maps and stuff that you've seen in all the breakdowns on this channel. And a huge thank you to you, Scott. And without you, the firm just wouldn't be as popular as, as it seems to be now. So, Scott, a very warm welcome to the firm. How are you, my good friend? I'm doing great. And I, I never know if I need to use my, my signature yeehaw when I come on to some of these ones that aren't the, the Arsenal Vision podcast. So, so, I mean, if you want it, I can give you one. Otherwise, yeah, it's, it's very glad to, to be here and yeah, looking forward to, to joining. And you guys are both overseas at the moment. So, Pedro, where are you? What's the time where you are? It is, uh, it is midday, midday in the Midwest. Midday in Mid the Midwest. Midday in the Midwest. And, and Scott, how about yourself? Where are you based and what time is it locally? So I'm out in, in Nevada and it's about 10 a.m. this morning. But, you know, it's, it's actually one of those feels like spring over here in the desert. Oh, man. Well, thank you both for joining us. And already the banter has started. Watch out, FK Salman says. If you delay the start of the breakdown, you might get that yellow card for free. We will talk about all of that stuff. But you in might typical... get a time-wasting one, right? <laughs> Indeed, yeah. In typical fashion, we will go through uh, the starting lineup, the team selection, the team performance. We'll talk about some of the key moments in the game. So obviously the goal, the performance, Martinelli's dismissal, and of course the way that we were celebrating after the match. And we'll look at some of the gaffer's comments after the game. But, um, you know, Ped, let's start with you. It's been a long time since we've played. We were out in Dubai for some pre you know for some sort of mid-season fun mid-season training camp however you want to describe it what was your mood going into wolves last night oh look, you know uh, you know i'm team positive over here and uh, you know i love the project but uh, look, football is about narratives and the narrative around arsenal is that when there is an opening we blow it when we come back after a long break we're lethargic and slow out the blocks and when uh, a midfield of Thomas Party and Granite Jacker line up, someone gets a red card. Um, so I, I was a little, I, I was a little bit pessimistic. I, I, I expected maybe a, a draw. I wouldn't have been surprised if we'd lost. I spent a lot of time watching Wolves this season, and I'm a massive, massive fan of what Bruno Lager's done down there. I think they play incisive football. I think if if they had a really good striker in the system, they would be further up the table. Um, and I, w I was a little bit worried, but you always know after two minutes which Arsenal is going to show up. And it was the energetic, powerful, confident side. And um, and yeah, it, it, it went really well. So uh, I, like, I, w I was pessimistic, but excited after two minutes that we were going to have a good day. And same question to you, Scott. I mean, was there that air of pessimism? Because I certainly, I mean, I was looking forward to it because Arsenal were playing, but I was secretly quite anxious about coming up against, uh, as Pedro says, an impressive Wolves team. Yeah, I definitely had the worry beforehand. And I think the match actually kind of came out exactly kind of how I anticipated it. 
Um, I didn't expect Wolves to create a lot because, um, yeah, when I went and I looked at the the initial kind of breakdown between the two teams before the match, um, this looked like a matchup between two good defenses. Um, Arsenal have a, a better attack than Wolves, but that was kind of my general impression is this is going to be a potential slog where neither team is able to create a bunch of chances. I thought maybe Arsenal might be able to get one or two scoring chances and it would be important to be able to convert them. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. Um, it would have been nice to get that second goal just to make that last 10 minutes feel a little less nervy. But um, I think it, it played out exactly what I wanted it to be um, or how I expected it. I, I, I come away with this and thinking Wolves are a tough team. And, um, the, you know, the, the next match that we have against them, I think, is going to go the same way. And um, this was a huge three points to get from this one. Yeah, I, I, I kind of thought it's like if we could get four points between the two matches against Wolves, we'll be coming out really well. And I think we've set ourselves up to have that as a situation. Yeah, I saw a lot of that. Four out of six would be a good return. But of course, we did get the three points. And in typical fashion, let's start by looking at the starting lineup from yesterday. So on your screens now, you should be able to see a PowerPoint graphic that basically shows the lineup. So we had, of course, Ramsdale in goal. We had Tierney lining up alongside Gabriel, Ben White and Cedric Suarez at right back because Tommy Asu is not yet quite fit. Middle two, Xhaka and Party coming back into the mix with Erdegaard just ahead of them. And of course, Gabby Martinelli out wide on the left, Lacazette up front as the number nine, and Bukayo Saka out wide on the right. And those, of course, were our options. Um, Pedro, when the lineup was announced, obviously the disappointment of Tommy Asu not making the game. Were you anxious about Suarez? And what were your general thoughts about having Xhaka and Party back? I get caught in two minds with Suarez because you have to remember this this is a Portuguese international. At some point in his career, there is a good player in there somewhere. You know, he's mobile. Um, you know, he's he's his end product is really good, but he never seems to be able to piece it together. And you, you don't he's you just don't know what who's gonna come out. And sometimes it's garbage and sometimes it's great. Um I, I have to say though, I would rather roll the dice on Suarez at right back them break up the partnership of um, Ben White and, and Gabriel. So, you know, Suarez is the right back um, understudy that we've got. And I, I think we should, you know, roles and responsibilities. If you're a right back and you're the backup right back, you've got to play there. So um, I think that out of this starting 11, the only the only panic in the system was Suarez. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But he acquitted himself really well. He did. And to be fair, uh, Salah says fair play to Cedric. He did have a really good game. We'll talk about that. Um, Scott, the return of Xhaka and Party, a more familiar midfield pairing. Um, was that reason to give you confidence going into yesterday? It is. Yeah. I mean, because I think if you were to, to say that that's a, a place that we probably have the the least amount of depth. And I think that was something that was kind of exposed in January um, with, you know, you know, or a party um, out at, you know, AFCON and then Xhaka picking up the stupid red. Um, it really did expose us in that area. And so it's nice to see them back. And, you know, when I look at the starting lineup, I think this is probably close to our first 11. Yeah, I think you definitely, you know, not pick Cedric at right back, but this is a really good shout. I mean, man, you can make a case for maybe Smith Rowe gets in there. But yeah, this is basically the team that played so well in December. And I don't, I never had any worries about that. Um, and I think actually you kind of make a case that to a certain extent, Cedric against a team that we were going to have more of the ball that was going to play a little bit deeper is to a certain extent, a, a better final third player than um, Tomiyasi. So it kind of makes sense to, you know, he played well, but I think this matchup kind of played to his strengths as well. Um, he wasn't having to defend a lot. And then actually when he did have to defend a lot, we brought in 
big Rob holding to, to kind of nail things down and kind of made it so he wasn't having to do some of those things on defense as much. The front four, like you say, arguably our strongest lineup. I mean, early guard beginning to purr in an Arsenal shirt. Martinelli's been quite impressive in the last few games. We'll talk about his dismissal in just a second, but Lacazette up top. Um, some fans very, very critical of Lacazette. There was that that was sort of one-on-one chance late in the second half where you thought, ah, oh, just just to get that buffer at 2-0 would have made, made things more comfortable. I mean, he put he tries his best. I, I can't knock that. He's obviously now temporary new club captain to the end of the season. Uh, and Saka playing out wide right. I mean, that, that those those four kind of select themselves. Question for you, Pedro. I mean, seeing the bench slightly stronger than it has been in recent games, which is which is a real positive. But Nico Pepe, is he on the cusp of a bit of a renaissance? I mean, could he force his way back into Arteta's thinking? Because he's had quite an impressive AFCON, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I, I think that there's every chance that he could get a run in the side. Look, I, I think reality with Pepe is that if we can ship him out this summer, we will. I think that Arsenal will push for a winger at some point. I don't think Nicolas Pepe is the long-term solution. But out of that front four, he's the best finisher. And he can he can have an absolutely dross game and, and, and still pick one out. And Arteta has a very slim squad. And something that he hasn't done very well is keep players involved that aren't first team. You know, Samba Lukonga keeps us uh, in, a, in a really good run at the start of the season when Granite Jack is out and then he's out the team for six weeks. Uh, Martinelli has a bad game against Aston Villa last season. He's out the team for six months. When you take players out of the team, uh, confidence drops, rust creeps into the game and they feel a little bit alienated. So when you need to call upon them, they're not ready mentally. And I think Arteta has got a, you know, you've, you've got a bank on Saka picking up a knock, you know, so... Pepe has to be involved and we have to keep him interested because there might be a time when we rely on him in a big game and he just won't be there. So I think there's every chance that he comes in. I think talk of him being a number nine is ridiculous. You know, he... I was just going to ask you. It's, it's, it's absurd. Like the guy can't play with his... Um, I, I don't think he plays well with his back to goal. He's very one-footed. Um, you can't trust him uh, to play in that sort of role. But he's a good understudy to Saka, but we need to give him minutes. Just on um, attacking options, obviously, we you know the, the January window closed. We were well after Vlaovic. That I think that's been very well documented. Um, didn't really fall back on any other options, although there was that sort of weekend saga of Isak being in London, being spotted in Selfridges and driving around a car that maybe belonged to him or didn't. Yeah. Um, were you disappointed, Ped, about us not being able to add? And, and how does it make you feel knowing that Nketiah is our only backup should something happen to Lacazette? So I think there are two parts to this. Firstly, Arsenal fans are absolutely brutal on young players. Uh, Eddie Nketiah is England's under-21 record goal scorer. And that is uh, goals per game. I think only Mark Haightley has scored, uh, has a better goals per game record than him. And he only played like eight games. Eddie Nketiah has something in. He's got a better goal scoring record than Tammy. He's got a better goal scoring record than Dominic Calvert-Lewin. There is a player in there. But again, Arteta gives him games when he's playing with a second string or gives him eight minutes. And like Eddie Nketiah, from everything that I hear, and I'm, I'm talking about people outside of Arsenal that have, you know, 
have interest in him, have had interest in him in the past. He's rated highly. Everybody says that he's um, great behind the scenes. He's a model pro, but Arteta needs to give him minutes. And Arsenal fans saying he's the worst striker. He's not of the level. There's something there. Otherwise, Arteta wouldn't put him on. Uh, so I think the n- number one, we should give Eddie Nketiah a bit more of a chance and Arteta should give him a run of games because Lacazette's 29 years old. He hasn't had an injury all season and that hamstring could go at any point and Eddie needs to be ready. Um, and then with regards to the striker, look, I'm a fan, uh, the same as everybody else. I want to see big names coming in that are exciting. And I wanted to see Vlahovic. Uh, <laughs> but the we are we are not mentally or emotionally mature as fans. We want to see big signings. We don't care who they are. But when that sugar high dies after you sign Isak for 75 million and you realise that he's a two-year project, people soon forget how much they were begging for that striker. So if you can't get Vlahovic and there aren't better options on the market, don't spend the money. That's the sign of a club that is maturing because two seasons ago, you know Edu and Raul would have pulled someone in from Kia's Black Book and that would have hampered us. I think we had a mature transfer window um, we've aged down the squad. And Arteta said in his press conference the other day, he said, I if I want guarantees with big players that I signed. I want guarantees. And if he couldn't find guarantees, let's not pretend that the Arsenal fan base would be forgiving of, of a poor striker. <laughs> I mean, just remember Giroud, how we treated Giroud. I would kill for Giroud in this side at the moment. And we treated him terribly because he wasn't Robin Van Persie. So my view on that is, look, I wanted a striker, but if if there wasn't the right name on the market, don't take chances because we aren't Chelsea. We aren't Newcastle. There's no room for mistakes in this rebuild. Very, very wise words. And Erling Haaland, I know you're watching. So, you know, this summer at the Get him in. (laughs) Get him in. Uh, Scott, I want to come to you. Final point on this slide. It'd be unfair of me not to shout out Rob Holding. Some describe him as the best low block, deep block defender that there is in the Premier League after yesterday's performance. I mean, look, Pedro's described how difficult it is for someone like Nketiah to come on, just turn it on for a few minutes here and there. Rob Holding's about as useful a third, fourth choice centre-back as there probably is in the game. I mean, what were your thoughts on him when he came on? I mean, yeah, to, to you know, I guess use the trademark here, I thought he was gargantuan. Like, I mean, he really did. Um, they ended up having to go to their plan B of, you know, just try and cross after cross after cross. And, you know, you think about having Gabrielle and Holding there. It's like, that's just meat and potatoes for them. Like, that's just so easy. They were winning all the balls. I think it was something silly that, he had nine clearances in his like 10 minutes of, you know, coming on. And it's like everything that was going in there, he was on top of it. So yeah, I thought he was absolutely perfect. The other thing that was crazy is that he actually tried zero passes in his entire like 20 plus minutes on the pitch. Um, So it's like, yeah, he just came in and took care of business, got the ball out of there and yeah, tried to, you know, reset the line and do everything. So yeah, no, I thought he was um, perfect. And he's, yeah, I think he is a very good low block player, especially, you know, you think about him and Gabrielle, like that's that's something that you feel good um, going against, you know, big strikers or things like that. And I thought that was a really good move from Arteta. And I've been, you know, kind of critical of Arteta's substitutes, but I thought that that was something, you know, being proactive, seeing what Wolves was going to try and being able to take advantage and commit to that before it became an issue and before it was something that was biting Arsenal. So I thought that was a, a really good move from Arteta. Indeed, you're getting a lot of love in the comments uh... Uh, Scott uh, from Mohammed, yeehaw, for having Scott on here. That's your trademark. Uh, Let's move on, chaps, and talk about the talking points in the game. So just give me one moment while I try and navigate through this. Um, 
you might be able to see on your screens now some stats from yesterday's game with some of the sort of key images. So obviously we beat Wolves by a goal to nil. Going into the game, Wolves were actually in a, in a lot of good form. I know they lost to Norwich as their most recent game, but Arsenal, you can see there a couple of L's, a couple of D's. Possession-wise, given the way that the game went, certainly towards the end, uh, Wolves edged it with almost 60% possession. Total shots, 15 to 12. We only had two shots on target, but of course we scored one. That's probably the most important thing. Ramsdale was forced into a few saves. Our passing accuracy, not that great, but that's to be expected given we played 20 minutes or so without, or 25 minutes given the injury time without uh, Martinelli. Uh, Wolves bossed corners. There were times where I was on the edge of my seat thinking, right, any minute now they're going to they're gonna tower in a header. But of course we managed to sustain our defensive resilience. And the yellow cards, I mean, we notched up three, but Martinelli's, I mean, let's talk about the red card in just a second. The goal, first of all, um, it surprised me very pleasantly. Uh, what were your thoughts, Pedro, on the goal? I mean, you know, when it when it sort of happened, were you uh, surprised? Were you, you know, expecting it? Obviously, a scruffy as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I loved it. I, I, I loved it. I think that the, the, one of the best signings of last summer was uh, Nicholas Jova from... Manchester City's completely transformed the way that that we do corners. I, th I think someone told me that the the last uh, Georgeson would have like a card system where he would like indicate to the team what sort of corner that they should play or something weird like that. But Jova's come in. Uh, he's he's put some put some rigor into the way that we attack. Um, it's not the same thing over and over again. Um, and the the people taking corners like. Listen, like FK, you would have been in the stadium for years, even in the Wenger years, watching Arsenal rarely beat the front post. And now we're we're going, we're hitting the back post, we're fizzing it in at the front. There's some George Graham like nodding it on. Uh, but what I loved about the corner, and it, listen, Lacazette missed uh, a, a couple of good chances that were harder. I think um, I think Scott pulled up. You know, those were not really easy chances, but he threw his body on the line threw his body on the line and we scored a goal and it was a scrappy one. And you feel like Gabriel has been begging to, to, to be a bit of a striker the last few games, but everybody's a menace in the box. Everybody knows their role. Uh, we've got the right people taking the corners, the right people in the mixer. And we are, we are good from set pieces now. And it just, it just feels so anti the last 20 years. So I love it when you score a scrappy goal, um, especially because we hadn't scored a lot in, in January in general. And given you mentioned Nico Jova, obviously he's come in defensively, I think we're the only Premier League club this season to have not conceded from a set piece. I don't know how accurate that, that stat is, but it certainly was maybe a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so Nico Jova, massive shout out. Uh, we are definitely more uh, effective at our set pieces. And yeah, I, you know, I, it, it pains me uh, thinking about the, 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 the corners that have gone by in years where we just couldn't clear the first man. Scott, coming to you. I mean, the goal set us up quite nicely. Were you disappointed that we didn't really push on from that moment you know especially when we came out in the second half yeah how did you think that kind of like turned the game if anything I mean I was a little bit but I mean I think it is a bit of a reflection of just the, the quality that Wolves have it's like this is not a, a bad team um, I, I think one of the ideas was to if we were able to score first was to try to see if we could use that as a way to create more space for Arsenal um, to be able to tack into. So I think the plan was to probably sit back a little bit after that and see if we could get them to commit players forward and then try to hit them on the break. I think there was a couple chances where, you know, we'd, we'd have a counterattack and it just kind of fizzled out, didn't create chances. But I think there was definitely threat that we were able to have. It just didn't turn into shots um, situation. Um, you know, going back to the, the set play stuff, 
um, probably about a, a month ago. Maybe it was at the end of November. I went and I actually went back and watched every corner Arsenal have done. And it's a like a night and day difference between how we used to do. Um, we're doing all sorts of different things where we have, you know, one of the things I actually think is really cool and is a, a great kind of innovation is we use um, Gabrielle as the guy that will, is kind of like our free runner. So we usually kind of put, you know, like usually a Lacazette on the goalkeepers, you know, to, to occupy him and do those things. And then they, you know, kind of set pick plays and do that to try to get Gabrielle free, um, you know, going to the run to front post, back post and do those kinds of things. And it's really just interesting to see that it's a lot more dynamic because that was the thing that always used to frustrate me so much is that the set plays used to be just so static. It would be like, all right, we're going to, you know, try to kick one in here and you just got to out jump a person. And like, that's just a, a low probability kind of thing. Like you just, you got to, you basically, you're waiting for the other team to make a mistake. And now it feels like the way that Arsenal attack them, it's actually trying to create something rather than create a mistake or wait for a mistake for the other team. So I think that's something that's been huge for Arsenal and um, is really you know capitalized. And that's like a, a marginal gain. If we're able to get three or four extra goals from set plays, that, that's a win right there. That's it. You know, one or two like extra points that's on top of that. And that's going to be something that's going to be so important as we get down the stretch here. It's you know, the massive. other thing about the set plays, the other thing that I like about the set plays is the players like them. You can see Gabriel, Ben White, they love that they know they're a menace. They know that people hate defending against them and you can sit there and enjoy it. It's almost like, you know, when Chelsea used to have set plays under sort of peak Mourinho, John Terry would be in the box and Drogba would be in the box and you just... Oh, Ivanovic, like, oh my God, awful. that guy on corners was just horrible, right? Yeah. Just beasts all over the box and Arsenal are like that now. They're just menacing opposition defence and it's fantastic to watch. As Olivier says, maybe the best signing of the year was the uh, coach of set pieces. But, you know, Nico Jova, it's, it's, a, it's a great shout. Pedro, I want to come to you about the double booking and the sending off. So yeah. just over an hour gone in the game, the ball's gone out for a throw. Martinelli has clearly made an attempt to, to kind of throw the player off. The ball's gone into play, so the ref's not been able to sort of talk to him or caution him. Martinelli's then brought down that player as a foul within five, six seconds two yellows and a, and a subsequent red. What were your thoughts at that moment? What were you, Could you believe what you were seeing? You know, I actually could believe it. I could, I could believe it because we've got a group of referees in this country that think they are the stars of the show. Like, you know, Scott's in, Scott's in America. The officials don't want to be the stars. And if they, if they did want to be the stars, they'd be out because there's accountability for that sort of stuff. Michael Oliver wanted to do something. He wanted to create a spectacle. He dug into the deepest recesses of the rule box and, and rule books and he thought he'd he'd found something. He thought he was impressing somebody. But it's disgraceful. And I, I do genuinely think that uh, like firstly referees are biased. Don't let anybody tell you that it's a conspiracy that they're biased. Um I, I say this on, on the Arsenal opinion show. Uh if Google can't program an algorithm to not be biased then don't tell me that referees that are from the north of England don't have bias against certain clubs. Um, secondly, I think that like one of the big problems that we that we're having, you've got a very young manager that doesn't have a lot of power in the game. I was talking about Klopp yesterday. Klopp is like the silverback in the Premier League. He's taken over from Alex Ferguson. You don't mess with a silverback. Mikel Arteta isn't there yet, so people feel like they can they can you know mess around with him and then we've got a squad of very young players because the amount of red cards and the amount of yellow cards we have considering we're not a violent team uh we're extremely sporting 
is it like it's a statistical anomaly. I mean, Scott can speak to this far better than I can, but somebody has got to be looking at the data and sitting down with these referees and saying, listen, I know you're not doing it on purpose, but we've got to be fairer with Arsenal because we, we're apportioning too many yellow cards compared to what we're doing to other sides. And the, the thing that really gets me about this is there's a certain section of the Arsenal fan base that I, I feel don't really want Arsenal to succeed. You know, you've seen them talking up Conte. They're very boring. But Arsenal were naive. Arsenal were naive. I'm sorry, Martinelli was not naive. How can you be naive about something that has never happened in the game? How can we talk about naivety of Granite Jacker when Harry Kane is scything through the middle of someone's shin and getting away with far worse every week? There is no fairness in the league. So I can't have the Arsenal were naive. We just get, we just get rough treatment. And I think that that plays out statistically. And something's got to change. Like in, in business, you would rip that organization down. Who's been, who's been sacked at the Referees Association? When was the last referee sacked? It is appalling, the state of refereeing in the, in, in, in the most important league in the world. So um, I, I wasn't surprised, though. And that's the sad thing. And Scott, coming to you, I mean, Pedro talks about the numbers. And he's right. I mean, Arsenal are you know, miles ahead of whoever's sort of next in that table of red cards. I mean, is it just bad luck? Is there is there a, a, some sort of agenda? I mean, how, how do you feel about it all? It's, it, uh, I wrote about this in the, the post today on the on Ars blog, and it's one of those, if you look at the decisions in isolation, like you can like understand and like you can do those kinds of things. And it's like, even if you look at the Martinelli one in isolation, so I was like, yes, that he probably earned a yellow card for... Um, trying to stop the throw right that's that's a yellow card yes and then the second one is also it's like yeah he, he barged him in the back that's probably borderline you kind of look at the way the, the the match had played so far there was probably some that were worse than that that weren't given yellow cards there was probably some um not as bad that were given yellow cards so it's like it was kind of on that borderline it, it's just but it's it kind of goes to if you look at the rules like it's definitely within the letter of the law that he could have given two yellows but it's like when a player gets a shot off and he's fouled afterwards. That is never called a penalty, right? It's like when there's grappling and holding on corner kicks. Technically, by the letter of the law, those are all fouls. They're never given. It's one of those things. It's like, yes, it's a technical. He could have done it. But there's so much room for judgment in the rule book that he doesn't have to do it. And it feels like every single time there's one of these, yeah, by the letter of the law, that should be it. The judgment call never seems to go Arsenal's way, right? Like, it's like, it's always we have the hardest, yeah, technically that's something that happens. And it's like, I think, yeah, we looked and either there's a, the guy that writes for ESPN, who's kind of like their rules analysis. He was talking about it's it's been like there's like one other kind of situation that this is like happened that like you're able to kind of look up. So it's like, this is an incredibly rare event and it's just, it, it feels like it's so much that it's like Arsenal are the ones that are hit it. And I did go and look up the numbers today um, for like kind of comparing fouls to red cards. And there's not a super strong relationship between the number of fouls and the number of red cards, but Arsenal are definitely on the well above the, the trend line kind of situation where we are just punished so much harshly um, compared to like the number of fouls that we commit and the number of red cards that we are shown. It's, it's, it, it is pretty crazy. So um, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah, I, I don't, you, yeah, I know Clive likes to say this one too. It's like, just read the game, 
try try not to because red cards are such a big part of thing. It's a huge penalty to go down a man. Really, kind of think is this worthy of it? Yeah, those were two yellow cards. Was it really deserving of a red card though? It's a tough one. Uh, I'll tell you what. Go on, Pedro. Sorry, sorry. Okay, you haven't actually said anything on this one. No, 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 mate. Go for it. Go for it, please. Just going to say, like, I I work in I work in advertising, and I say to my teams, "Never been done before." has a nice ring to it when we're coming up with ideas for our clients. In refereeing, never been done before means don't go there. Do not do not go there. And Michael Oliver went there and he would never have done that against Harry Kane. He, he, would have ne- he wouldn't have done that against uh, Liverpool. And there has to be um, some sort of accountability. Like these referees should have to justify those decisions after the game. And I think... Um, the, like taking like uh, you know in American constitutional law um, there is taking I, I, I can't remember what it's called but you can take the law literally or you can have the spirit of the law and um, absolutist an absolutist approach and I, I just think that the spirit of the game and that particular game like th- there was no malice in that entire game to, to send him off he ruined the game he ruined the game for the fans uh, he ruined the game for the players. And I think when referees are so regularly ruining the games and making it about themselves, I think you've got to act. You've got to change it. Like, this is the Premier League. How can we not get this right? I'll tell you how it made me feel. I was infuriated because I thought, it, I mean, it was obviously bad luck. I mean, Martinelli shouldn't be blocking the throw and nor should he be pulling down the player. But the, the fact that the ref couldn't just say to him, look, you've had a couple of silly moments there. Here's a yellow. Let the game flow is beyond me. But I tell you what it does suggest to me. It suggests to me that they hate us. And talking of that, you look at that last picture on that slide, Ramsdale and Ben White, yeah, celebrating as if it was a cup final and, we, you know, it meant something big to them. We've taken pelters as a fan base today uh, and from last night about celebrating a win away at Wolves. Pedro, you said before we came on air that you loved that. Um, elaborate further on that. Why did you love it so much? Oh, I absolutely love it. Do you know the, uh, again, I, 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 I've been taking pelters for the best part of two years about this Arteta project. So I'm going to have a little bit of a vent. There, there, there are a, a section of fans. They're generally uh, heavily supported Unai Emery and they kind of want this whole Arteta thing to fail. So um, when we win, like I, I'm going to go at them. There is a certain section of the fan base that, that believes that they are elite and they, they, they have nothing in their lives that are elite and they call out these things. And people that say, oh, that, that's so unelite to celebrate a win get in the bin get in the bin you know what you know what i hate you know what i think is unelite um david luis after getting pummeled by chelsea hugging the players and smiling uh players swapping shirts at half time because they're unfocused that's what i think lacks eliteness players celebrating holding on to a one nil win when their objective is top four is absolutely what i want to see look at the passion Look at how much they love keeping a clean sheet. Look how much they're enjoying the fact that they could have been victims. This Arsenal team would have let that game happen to them three years ago. And now they're saying, no, that was a terrible decision. But we're used to terrible decisions because everybody hates us and we love it and we're going to prove them wrong. And Ruben Neves coming out and saying, I haven't seen Arsenal celebrate like this in 10 years. That's what I want to hear. That means that there's a shift in culture and professionals are noticing it doesn't matter what the fans think it doesn't matter whether the fans think the culture doesn't exist or it's not important players are noticing it and that's what i love that's what i love uh, pow- powerful uh, and mikey says the same you know who gives a beep uh, what they think we don't care i mean scott coming to you gabriel was on his knees at full time 
Ramsdale, there's a slow that asked blog sort of posted of Ramsdale, you know, punching the air and screaming at the fans. You can see them sort of pulling the shirts off each other. What did you make of it? I mean, were you like that in your living room watching from afar? Exactly. No, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, trying to work um, while this one's going on. And yeah, I'm celebrated and excited after, you know, it's funny. So it's like we said that this is going to be 17 cup finals. And like, so we're, we're celebrating like this is a big win. Like this is a huge win for us. You know, you saw what the other results were. So we knew all of, you know, our, you know, our people that were fighting for top four all drop points except for West Ham. But it's like, this was a big win for Arsenal. Like we came back, we got a, uh, we came back from, I guess, a, a really hard decision where I think that everybody thought that this was something that it's like, yeah, this, everybody's against us. And, you know, there's a lot of emotion here. Like, they played really well to be able to do that. And, I, I mean, what do you want? Like, this is something that, you know, they're excited for. And I like to be able to see that. It's like, if, if they're not caring, like, that's that's weird, right? Like, if they didn't care, they didn't celebrate. Like, nobody was saying that about Manchester City after they scored the, you know, the last gas winner at the Emirates, right? Like, that was something, like, there's a lot of emotion in this game. And I think that's or something Klopp that's good against Crystal Palace. Remember exactly, Klopp, yeah. when they when they drew against Palace a few years ago and they yeah. they did like a guard of honor or whatever it is at the end of the game. No one criticized that. It's just Arsenal. Exactly. And and even going back to what what Neva said, I think that was more of a reflection. At least how I read it was him reflecting on how people see Wolves now. This isn't a team that is just promoted, right? This is a team that is good. They're fighting for you know upper mid table kind of things, and I think that was more of a reflection of this shows that we are a good team that people are actually showing emotion that they beat us. It's not that people come now to Wolves and expect to beat them. It's a, it's a hard match against them. And I think that is a true reflection of where Wolves are now. And I think that that's okay. Like he was, you basically trying to say, this is this Wolves team is good. We need to expect more from them. So I, I didn't take that as a slight against Arsenal. I thought that it was him making a comment about the level of Wolves and not the level of Arsenal. That was just my take on that one. I love to see comments from rival fans and the media digging against Arsenal. I love it. I love the fact that people hate us again. It shows that we're back. It shows that we're a threat. We're now in a really good position to kind of push for that fourth spot. And listen, I was, I, mean, I was tense. I was nervous, you know, counting down the clock. I mean, I was tweeting every minute, like 91st minute, like four minutes ago, three minutes ago, two minutes ago. I mean, it was, I could feel the juices inside me, like just, you know, ready to sort of burst. But as soon as that final whistle went, it was like just calm, but excitement, but euphoria. I mean, I couldn't describe it. It was such a relief. I think that's 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 the word. Um, as per normal, let's look at some of the boss's comments. So I'm going to take these straight from the website uh, from, from arsenal.com. Hopefully you can see Mikel on your screen now. Uh, yes, you can. So uh, on the actual win, if I just sort of scroll down, I'm not going to read everything sort of word for word, but Mikel opened by saying, look, obviously it was a massive game for us playing away a really good team that makes very little errors. We've talked about how how impressive they are that concede so few and that are extremely dangerous. I mean, that's actually a fair, fair, fair point. I mean, you know, Wolves are a very, very impressive team and we had to dig in, we had to suffer and we showed great resilience. On the red card, and coming back to you, Pedro, Mikel talked about it being um, very worrying. And I think actually maybe it's not captured in these words here, but he did answer someone's question by saying, you have to want to give that. Um, you know, you really have to want to give that. I mean, that's a bit of a dig at the ref, isn't it, Ped? Yeah, 100%. He's basically saying you you really want to ruin a game if you want to take uh, the interpretation of the rules to to that level. And I, I, I applaud 
Arteta saying that because, you know, we've got to start putting pressure on referees that everybody's watching what they're doing because our treatment has been shocking um, this season. And, you know, even into last season, we don't get a lot of luck um, at Arsenal. Things don't really roll our way. Even with VAR, we don't get a lot of luck. So I'm, I'm glad that he said that because it's a very pointed dig and it's a fair one. He then went on to talk about the resilience and the character. I keep telling you guys how close they are, how much they like to play together, the unity and the, and the togetherness. I mean, Scott, coming to you, I remember Arteta's first ever press conference for Arsenal. He talked about developing a culture or installing a culture, an environment at the club where there was this camaraderie. There was a level of professionalism. We've seen how brutally he sort of handled the Aubameyang, uh, you know, constant breach of, of of club rules he's now out and you know you could argue that our squad is weaker but culture wise team wise sort of environment wise it's a big positive I mean what are your thoughts on that I mean yeah I mean I think that is something that it's a bit of a double-edged sword right I think we, we've talked a bit about how he has a certain number of players that he trusts and he definitely goes with them and I think that that is something that those guys really buy-in and you can definitely see that they like playing together doing those kinds of things um but i think it is one of those things where it's really hard if you're on the fringes of this team right it's not something that you're getting a lot of minutes and it might be um you know something that if we get into a bigger competition it's going to be interesting to see how he's able to to do that with a bigger squad that we have to handle more matches and be able to do those kinds of things so right now i think it's it's absolutely perfect yes we have a great core of players that are doing things. Um, everybody that's with the team right now is fully bought in. There's, you know, it's basically, we said, you know, if you're not on this, you know, path, you're going to be, you know, you go find a new home in January, right? We definitely did that. Um, but I think there is certain times where your squad players are going to have to be dependent on. And I think there has to be a way that we have to be able to deal with some of those players a little bit better. So I, I, I love it. But I think that there is something that we can do sometimes a little bit better here sometimes with using some of those players that are on the fringes and being able to get the best out of them, even if, you know, they're not always happy with what they wanted, you know, what they're doing on the t at the time. I just love Arteta's use of words here. I mean, he, talk, he talks about they are willing to defend that shirt every single match. It's an, it's an easy thing to say. And the fans get giddy about it like me. <laughs> but, you know, he said, I really mean it when I say that. Today was another example. I think we've got so many of them. Yeah, and that's why I'm proud to be the coach of these players. And I, I just love to read that sort of thing. Um, going on, he talks about Martinelli's sort of suspension. Um, presumably that's what, one game, the two yellows, yeah, I, think the, I would imagine. Yeah. So, so Brentford. Uh, he was then asked about whether referees targeted Arsenal. Um, and he sort of said, look, if you ask me, I'm happy with the decisions we've had this season. Uh, uh, I'm not at all. Uh, but that's a conversation that he's going to have privately with the officials. I think he spoke enough about Michael Oliver and him wanting to give that decision. So let's just see kind of how that unfolds. He then praised Rob Holding's performance. We've talked about Rob already. So let's just sort of come away from that moment. I suppose I want to ask you now, Pedro, coming to you, obviously really impressive that we've beaten a very tough Wolves team. Where does it leave us? You know, we've got eight games now coming up before a big game against Manchester United. Brentford, I think, next at home. Wolves at home. We've got a number of teams like Leicester and, and Villa. Tricky, tricky teams on paper, of course. But we've got a real opportunity now, don't we, to, to really kind of climb into fourth and cement that spot. Yeah, we do. It's, I, I think the, it's a great start to, you know, I break the season up into phases. We've got two more phases left. Um, this phase of the season has a lot of games. I don't like saying should win, but should win games. And 
this means nothing if we go and get beaten by Brentford or don't win the game uh, in the return leg. Like I think, um, I think seven points out of this batch puts us firmly in contention for top four, and it's then it's in our hands. And I, I think we can beat United. I think that we could beat Chelsea. I think that we could beat Spurs. And then not having Europe is really going to tell. So I still think that we have to put in perspective what this team is doing is incredible. This is basically a completely new team. They're the youngest squad in the Premier League. Uh, the combined, you know, the average age of our starting 11 defence is 24 years old. You know, Chelsea have got a 37-year-old in their defence. Uh, Matip and uh, VVD are uh, they're 30 years old. And the reason that title-winning teams have older defenders is because more experience counts. So the fact we're in the mixer is absolutely incredible. Arsenal just need to get into Europe this season. Top four is a stretch goal. But you're getting to the point now where you have to say, listen, we, uh, it, we've got the momentum going with us. I think we play better football. I think we've got less problems than a lot of the teams around us. And the team spirit is there. I think the, the, the thing that will get in our way is a, is a bad injury. And I think the, the 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 two biggest worries would be that calf injury of Tommy Asu. And I just think even though Lacazette doesn't score goals, he's so pivotal to, you know, to the leadership of the side and to making those around him better. And I don't think there's anyone that can replace that. But Listen, we're, we, I said all season, we needed to be in, within spitting distance of top four by January, and we were. And now we're in spitting distance of top four. We're in the top four, but, you know, we're in the race. And that's that's achievement. And even if we don't get top four this season, these young players are building IP. They're, you know, that, that this is a massive learning experience. They're competing. They're, they're going down to 10 men every other week. They're building muscle memory that will move them up. And our squad is on the up. Spurs are going to need to, you know, to, to do a rebuild at some point in the vision of whatever Conte is, and he won't be there for very long. Man United, absolute mess of a club. West Ham, oldest squad, one of the oldest squads in the Premier League. We're just at the start of this and we're already competing for top four. Like add a striker into that mix. Like I, I, I just think it's, I think it's so exciting what is happening. And I think we will look back and probably say that this was the best January window. Because this summer's going to be epic. And uh, if we can get to top four with this squad, what a genius move that'll be. I feel like we should just end it there. But like Jeffrey O'Hara says, music to my ears. I love this perspective. And do you know what, Pedro? You, 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 to be fair, absolutely fair to you, I followed you for a long time, back from the Wenger days. You have, you have protected and, uh, you know, sort of persevered with this project. You really believe in it. And it's, it's great to see. And actually, it's, it's slowly coming to fruition. I mean, Scott... Do you share that sentiment? Do you have that reason for optimism? Do you think we can get fourth or maybe even third? You know, win our games in hand and all of a sudden you're two points behind the current European champions. I mean, how how far can we go? I mean, I think fourth is definitely a realistic opportunity. So I think it's one of those, you, you kind of target a point total right now. And I think you, you try not to worry about what the other teams are doing. I think 69 points is really the goal for me right now. I think that's where I want to be able to be. Um, I think if you get to 69 points, you're probably going to get fourth place um, probably more than half the time, probably closer to 60, 70% of the time. So like that is really the goal that I'm aiming for. Um, I said 64 points at the start of the year. So I've kind of raised things a little bit. I really want to see us be able to take that. And, you know, I kind of look at the schedule and think, 
I think we should win almost all of the home games, right? Like that's my expectation. You know, probably Liverpool, that one we might lose, but all the other home games, I want to win those. And then you kind of look at the matches away and you're like, all right, let's see if we can make them tight, make them, you know, maybe get some draws, get some wins there if we can, but, you know, really just defend the Emirates and that's going to take you a long way towards getting there. Um, I, I think, yeah, if, you, if, I, if we actually look at the teams we're up against, I think first 11 wise, I think our team is just as good as anyone else. We might have a little bit less depth do those kinds of things, but we also have less matches to play, right? We don't have Europe. We don't have any more cups left. We have 16 cup finals left. And I think that's a good thing for this team. Um, and I still think, yeah, top six is my, my expectation. And if we get anything better than that, it's really just the icing on the cake. And I think it's, it's a great, I, I, this really does feel like we finally did the rebuild that this team has been crying out for, for like four seasons and we committed to it. And it's, it's really kind of already bearing fruit a lot faster than what I think any of us would have expected. We didn't make any of those win now signings. We did everything with the eye towards, you know, three years from now, right? That's where we wanted to be. And, you know, this team is coming together a lot faster than what we wanted to do. And I just, you look at this team and think, man, this future is so bright and I'm excited. Let's hope Mikel Arteta can take us to the very top. I really believe in it. I mean, Pedro, you, yeah, and, and both you, both of you guys are getting a lot of love in the comments. To end the kind of show, Pedro, your podcast was just mentioned in a comment. Tell us where people can find you and tell us about the Arsenal Opinion. Uh, yeah, the, the the podcast that we do is called the, the Arsenal Opinion and just search that on any of the podcasts. And if you like to read... I do still write a daily blog, you know, showing my age uh, that, you know, not, the kids aren't reading the blogs these days, but there is a, a daily update if you want to follow along there. And the, thanks for having me, FK. This channel is absolutely amazing. And I just, uh, I love how you're, you're kind of making uh, sensible discourse popular. And I think that we've lacked that diversity of content. And um, this is, this is up there with one of the best. So I really enjoy the show. Thank you. Oh man, thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words. And yeah, look, Le Grove, unbelievable uh, sort of site for reading. And your special features are always brilliant. And uh, Scott, I can't again, you know, I can't thank you enough. But Crab Stats, uh, tell us where we can find you and what you're what you're planning with with that particular uh, platform. And just again, if anybody who's joined late, there's a, you know almost three hundred of you guys watching right now. Scott is the chap who is responsible for all of the graphics, all of the heat maps, all of the stats that we use on this very channel for our breakdown. So thank you once again, Scott. But where can we find you? Oh, I'm I'm a little bit everywhere, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the the where I do most of my writing, yeah, it's crabstats.xyz. I couldn't find the so there was actually a, another one that was crabstats.com that is literally stats about crabbing which was very interesting um so I couldn't way, get that... why, why crab stats how did you even what did you even what were you thinking so I'm, I'm originally from the san francisco bay area um and so my, my baseball team is the san francisco giants they had uh what they called an anti-mascot so it's not it was kind of a, a mascot that they wanted the fans to hate it was called the crazy crab so that is kind of where I initially, when I wrote about baseball, that was what the, the blog was named after. And so I had that Twitter handle and it kind of got now where it's too big to change it. So I just leaned into, you know, crab stats is the thing that I, I was doing. Um, I you can hear me talk on the art. Oh, go I ahead. thought it was a Denilson reference. I thought it was no, a joke course, about yeah. like, trying to prove Denilson was a good player or something. Yeah. I don't know if that's possible, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but if you want to hear me talk more, I, I do a lot of uh, podcasting on the, the Arsenal Vision uh, podcast. Um, I have a, a regular column on Ars Blog News where I do the, the by the numbers. So yeah, you can find me lots of different places. 
and everybody who's watching you know thank you for watching but but do give these chaps a follow and engage with their content because it really is marvelous stuff look we're going to end it there uh almost a couple of thousand people have sort of watched this live very grateful for that drop a like on the video let me know what your thoughts are in the comments below can we make it to the top four what were your thoughts about last night's game should we have celebrated should we not have celebrated did you enjoy drinking that juice right until next time chaps thank you scott thank you pedro see you guys very soon